Ah, we will now go on to our information items. So it's time to talk about buildings, everyone. Uh, our first item is the Capital Improvement Plan Framework. Dr. Murphy. Yes, I'm going to turn to uh, Ms. Stingel here to uh, start this presentation. I know she also has some staff with her. Uh, but I'm also going to make note that this is building on the last presentation we heard at the previous board meeting with the Arlington Facility Student and Accommodation Plan. So that was a little bit of the backdrop of information that we provided. This is then going to build on the CIP framework that you're going to hear about tonight and then as a follow-up uh, as an action item at our next meeting. And then with my announcements earlier, I made mention that after the school board adopts its regular budget, we'll move into um, the CIP and begin that planning process. So Ms. Stingle, I'll turn it to you at this point. So thank you. And um, Robert Ruiz is also here tonight. He's helping lead the um, CIP process for APS. Also, um, Stacy Snyder's here from FAC, and we did a lot of work with that group. This first slide, actually, I apologize. It was something that I worked on yesterday in response to a question from the school board. Um, somehow in the transition from a snow day to a regular day, I dropped this from the PowerPoint when we sent it in. It, just a clarification about something that came up in the AFSAP that we presented at the last meeting. I think a couple of, uh, some people are reading into this and I wanted to, to just remind everybody that the AFSAP and how we approached it this year is sort of a planning document for us. It, it's, it's documenting what we're thinking and how we're approaching it. And I wanted to make really a, a clear statement that option schools are essential to how we're managing growth and enrollment across APS. I know that in the um, document, some people have read that APS intends to fill some of our schools. Our intent is not to overfill any school in disproportion to the other schools serving those same levels. We want to make sure that we're spreading students across schools as much as we can and use those schools to help us. Um, we'll use the projections annually um, for the following school year and again um, determine whether or not we need to make adjustments, either growing or reducing the number of classes at an option school. We've, um, in this first go-around, when this has been under my office, the growth has been framed by adding a class at the entry grade level, and then um, it remains within the limits defined by the facilities optimization study. And again, this is a new process for us. It's sort of laying out these um, annual update steps that came out of the options and transfer policy changes. And we're going to be looking at them and making probably some adjustments next year as we learn what works and what, you know, what we need to um, make adjustments to. Um, and thank you to Jeremy for slipping in the slide. I apologize. We'll make sure that Ms. Elliott gets it and it's posted on board docs. So now the presentation that deals with the CIP framework. Um, again, we, um, we had two meetings with FAC members to go through, or with a subset of FAC members, to go through um, some of the materials for the, um, the upcoming CIP. And what we did at the last meeting was we looked at those estimates for the um, next 10 years based on the fall projections and we proposed some short-term and non-capital adjustments to balance enrollment and identified additional needs to begin to talk about what we're doing in the CIP framework. This is my first time jumping into it and what, and what it is is we're laying out tonight the priorities and the timelines based on the projections and, and what we um, reviewed with FAC. In the, April will begin to get estimated costs for potential capital projects and then we'll also get um, our bonding capacity from our finance department. So just a refresher, I'm not going to go through this list, but these are the projects that are in our current CIP and the status of where they are today. 
And again, you saw this at the last meeting. This is a snapshot of enrollment. And as our graduating classes are leaving, those student, the bars in gray, our classes that follow them are bigger. And as we look on out to the incoming classes, our estimates say we, you know, we expect to have most classes above 2,000 students as we move um, through this cycle. So now to sort of lay out the information. So what you're seeing here is um, our, our elementary projections. And the first blue bar shows actually enrollment on September 30th in a comparison in green to the number of students who actually um, were projected last year. So you see our projections were actually pretty decent and as, as you compare the two, it hasn't changed a lot um, from last year. So as we look at this and in the work with, with FAC, what we see is in 2024, um, enrollment levels are actually manageable with re relocatables. We have uh, an elementary school planned for 2025 and as we started to look at what we're experiencing today and what we expect to be experiencing based on the current projections, is there some room and how do we think about these needs? In 2025, enrollment is again manageable relocatables. What we also sense is if it's concentrated in a couple schools, it's not comfortable. So it really depends on how it's being balanced across schools. And then in 2026, enrollment levels are similar to what we're seeing this year. And if those estimates remain the same, we have to have a school at that point. Doing the same sort of look at our middle school enrollment, you'll see actually our projections pretty much stay the same from the previous year, not a lot of change. And so as we look again at enrollment compared to the number of seats that are planned, what we see is that enrollment in 2022, 2023, and 2024, those numbers can probably be managed with relocatables. It may be uncomfortable, again, if enrollment is concentrated in a couple schools. If it's across all of the schools, it's a different situation than if it's at one or two. And if those estimates remain the same as we update them next year, then we will need additional seats. So high school enrollment is actually where we saw some changes in our projections. Um, when you look at um, what enrollment was, was this fall and compare it to last year's projections, it went down. We noticed within the data that we had fewer ninth grade students and we typically, we typically get about 10%, uh, we get about 10% of new students coming into it. And I'm not sure if it's moving from parochial schools and private schools into the public school system, but, but that number went down this year. I think it was around five or 6%. Um, and then as you look on out, you see our projections change. And I think some of this relates to the data that we talked about at the last meeting, the, the, the information that we're getting from the county on our housing, um, pipeline um, forecasts. So with high school, we see some changes. And right now, this slide shows our, um, if the, the CIP included 1,300 seats, last spring you made a decision that if, uh, to add the education center and the career center. We made a couple adjustments to the slide based on some questions from a school board member. So let me walk through those. So in 2021, when we planned to add the Ed Center, what you see is we're actually doing pretty good with seats. You've done, there's been a lot of things put in place to actually plan ahead and make sure we have enough permanent seats at the current class size level for our students. In 2022, we actually have, you know, still a manageable size that we can um, control through, again, through relocatables. It's not too much of a burden when you look across our schools or, you know, at high schools would probably be in the 100s or low 100s that it would be fine still. 
So in 2023-24, um, if the estimates remain constant, that's when it begins to be difficult to manage enrollment with re relocatables. And that's when we're thinking the Career Center, there might be a little room there to rethink the timing on the Career Center. Um, so what we did was we actually um, updated the presentation today to show this. So this shows what would it look like if we added 800 seats in 2022 with the Career Center. And you see that um, we're in pretty good shape if we do it that year. We have more seats, the yellow bar um, above the number, of, the number of students have enrolled. If we move it out a year, we actually are closer. We still have more seats than we need. You know, this is where we start to um, need to begin pulling on seats. 800 seats right at this point gets to be, um, we need those. So what we looked at here is, oh, sorry. This was an extra slide that didn't go out. Um, so the continuing projects, we've put those back in here. So Fleet, we continue on track with that. The Montessori move to Drew has to happen. We don't have another place to put those seats at this time. The Wilson H.B. Woodlawn Stratford program move is on track. The Stratford um, opens as a new middle school in 2019. So we have a lot of projects in the queue that happen then. And then Reed is underway and a lot of work is being done on the BLPC. So a lot of decisions are being made. Again, this is what we looked at with FAC. So I'm not gonna go into the numbers, but as we begin to look at some of the flexibility of when we might bring on some of the seats, um, at high school, we're assuming that, you know, if we bring on the Ed Center in 2021, uh, it provides some flexibility. You know, maybe, and we'll talk a bit about that in a minute. 800 seats at the Career Center then might have a little bit of a range of when we could bring them on. And I know that group has been talking, if they could actually find more seats, I think that's where we get the flexibility, maybe reusing the building here. Um, at the middle school level, this is the time range between 2022 and 2024 is when we're really going to need those seats. Um, and then at the elementary school level between 2025 and 2026 is when we're going to need it. If our estimates continue to show the same trends that they're showing this year. Um, so what we've done in this is laid out really two options to begin to think about um, what could be the CIP projects based on um, priority. So both of them have a mix of pretty much the same. I think um, we have the refresh for both Drew and Henry, those schools as, as um, other programs move out. And we, the Drew becomes a full neighborhood school and Montessori moves to the Henry building. We wanna make sure those are refreshed and um, good places for our kids to go in with nice new paint and floors done. The Ed Center, the Ed Center we have for five to 600 seats, and that's here. That will take care of our high school capacity needs for a bit. Um, the middle school, the first option, this is where the difference is, has a middle school addition. We're probably gonna need 300 seats around 2022, 23. And the other, if you look at the second option, we actually suggest that if we can get more seats at the Career Center, is there an option to reuse this for middle school seats, reuse the Ed Center for middle school seats? So that's the big difference between the two. And um, down at the bottom, we have other capital projects, including the bus driver facility. That's just the facility where they go um, to check in and do some of their, their work. Um, instructional flex space at the buck. I know there's a request to get that in and we're getting cost on what that would take to use that for um, instructional space. And there's also some um, needs for new fields, minor, major, minor construction and major maintenance. 
So this is the beginning of what we're proposing to put into this. As we get costs and as we get, um, you know, our bonding capacity, this would be where our starting point for the CIP. Um, and the timeline for this is you will adopt the framework at the next school board meeting. Then on May 3rd, the superintendent will come back with a proposal. There are work sessions that were scheduled as part of the budget process, and those are listed here. Then you do your, the school board's proposal is presented on June 7th with adoption on the 21st. And for community input, we'll, we're gathering in community input on these projects already. We did it through the 1300 seats last year. The Reed BLPC is addressing that project. The Career Center Working Group, there is community engagement going on through that continuously. And we'll be doing a uh, BLPC for the Education Center once the contract is signed and those steps begin to move forward. We'll also have opportunities for people to weigh in on the options um, after the super, superintendent's recommendation. So we expect that to be in May. Um, and we're beginning to post things on Engage to let people know what is, um, what we're presenting here tonight. 